Section 29, Volume 5 of The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, translated by Richard Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Eva Easton. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 5, Section 29. 469th through 472nd Night. When it was the 469th night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the maid-servant went out to the man and asked him, Come in, my lady hath a mind to buy some of thy wares, after she hath tried them and looked at them. The man thought she spoke truly, and, seeing no harm in this, entered and sat down as she bade him and she shut the door upon him. Whereupon her mistress came out of her room, and taking him by the gabardine, drew him within, and said, How long shall I seek union of thee? Verily my patience is at an end on thine account. See now, the place is perfumed, and provision prepared, and the householder is absent this night and I give to thee my person without reserve. I, whose favors kings and captains and men of fortune have sought this long while, but I have regarded none of them. And she went on talking thus to him, whilst he raised not his eyes from the ground, for shame before Allah Almighty, and fear of the pains and penalties of his punishment, even as saith the poet. Twixt me and riding many a noble dame was naught but shame which kept me chaste and pure. My shame was cure to her, but haply were shame to depart, she ne'er had known a cure. The man strove to free himself from her, but could not. So he said to her, I want one thing of thee. She asked, What is that? And he answered, I wish for pure water that I may carry it to the highest place of thy house, and do somewhat therewith, and cleanse myself of an impurity which I may not disclose to thee. Quoth she, The house is large, and hath closets, and corners, and privies at command. But he replied, I want nothing but to be at a height. So she said to her slave-girl, Carry him up to the Belvedere on the house terrace. Accordingly the maid took him up to the very top, and giving him a vessel of water, went down and left him. Then he made the ablution, and prayed a two-bow prayer, after which he looked at the ground, thinking to throw himself down. But seeing it afar off, feared to be dashed to pieces by the fall. Then he bethought him of his disobedience to Allah, and the consequences of his sin. So it became a light matter to him to offer up his life and shed his blood. And he said, O my God and my Lord, thou seest that which is fallen on me, neither is my case hidden from thee. 
Thou indeed over all things art omnipotent, and the tongue of my case reciteth and saith, I show my heart and thoughts to thee, and thou alone my secret's secrecy canst know. If I address thee, fain I cry aloud, or if I mute, my signs for speech I show. O thou to whom no second be conjoined, a wretched lover seeks thee in his woe. I have a hope my thoughts as true confirm, and heart that fainteth as right well canst trow. To lavish life is hardest thing that be, yet easy and thou bid me life forego. But, an it be thy will to save from stower, thou, O my hope, to work this work hast power. Then the man cast himself down from the belvedere, but Allah sent an angel who bore him up on his wings and brought him down to the ground, whole and without hurt or harm. Now when he found himself safe on the ground, he thanked and praised Allah, to whom belong majesty and might, for his merciful protection of his person and his chastity. And he went straight to his wife, who had long expected him, and he empty-handed. Then seeing him, she asked him why he had tarried, and what was come of that he had taken with him, and why he returned empty-handed. Whereupon he told her of the temptation which had befallen him. And she said, Alhamdulillah, praise be God, for delivering thee from seduction and intervening between thee and such calamity. Then she added, O man, the neighbors used to see us light our oven every night. And if they see us fireless this night, they will know that we are destitute. Now it behoveth in gratitude to Allah that we hide our destitution and conjoin the fast of this night to that of the past and continue it for the sake of Allah Almighty. So she rose and filling the oven with wood, lighted it to baffle the curiosity of her woman neighbors reciting these couplets. Now I indeed will hide desire and all repine and light up this my fire that neighbors see no sign. Except I what befalls by order of my Lord, haply he too accept this humble act of mine. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the four hundred and seventieth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that after the good wife had lit the fire to baffle the curiosity of her women neighbors, she and her husband made the uzu ablution and stood up to pray, when, behold, one of the neighbor's wives came and asked leave to take a firebrand from the oven. Do what thou wilt with the oven, answered they. But when she came to the fire, she cried out, saying, Ho, such an one, to the tray-maker's wife, Take up thy bread ere it burn. Quoth the wife to her husband, Hearest thou what she saith? Quoth he, Go and look. So she went up to the oven, and behold, it was full of fine bread and white. She took up the scones and carried them to her husband, thanking Allah, to whom belong majesty and might, for his abounding good and great bounty. 
and they ate of the bread and drank water and praised the Almighty. Then said the woman to her husband, Come, let us pray to Allah the Most Highest, so haply he may vouchsafe us what shall enable us to dispense with the weariness of working for daily bread, and devote ourselves wholly to worshipping and obeying him. The man rose in assent and prayed, whilst his wife said Amin to his prayer. When the roof clove in sunder, and down fell a ruby, which lit the house with its light. Hereat they redoubled in praise and thanksgiving to Allah, praying what the Almighty willed, and rejoiced at the ruby with great joy. And the night being far spent, they lay down to sleep, and the woman dreamt that she entered paradise, and saw therein many chairs ranged and stools set in rows. She asked what the seats were, and it was answered her, These are the chairs of the prophets, and those are the stools of the righteous and the pious. Quoth she, Which is the stool of my husband, such an one? And it was said to her, It is this. So she looked, and seeing a hole in its side, asked, What may be this hole? And the reply came, it is the place of the ruby that dropped upon you from your house roof. Thereupon she awoke, weeping and bemoaning the defect in her husband's stool among the seats of the righteous. So she told him the dream and said to him, Pray Allah, O man, that this ruby return to its place, for endurance of hunger and poverty during our few days here were easier than a hole in thy chair among the just in paradise. Accordingly he prayed to his lord, and lo, the ruby flew up to the roof, and away whilst they looked at it, and they ceased not from their poverty and their piety, till they went to the presence of Allah, to whom be honor and glory. And they also tell a tale of Al-Hajjaj and the Pious Man. Al-Hajjaj bin Yusuf al-Sakafi had been long in pursuit of a certain man of the notables, and when at last he was brought before him, he said, O enemy of Allah, he hath delivered thee over to me, and cried, Hail him to prison, and lay him by the heels in heavy fetters, and build a closet over him, that he may not come forth of it, nor any go into him. So they bore him to the jail, and summoned the blacksmith with the irons. And every time the smith gave a stroke with his hammer, the prisoner raised his eyes to heaven and said, Is not the whole creation and the empire thereof his? Then the jailers built the cage over him, and left him therein, lorn and lone whereupon longing and consternation entered into him. And the tongue of his case recited in extempore verse, O wish of wistful men, for thee I yearn, my heart seeks grace of one no heart shall spurn. Unhidden from thy sight is this my case, and for one glance of thee I pine and burn. They jailed and tortured me with sorest pains, Alas, for lone one can no aid discern. But, all be lone, I find thy name befriends, 
and cheers though sleep to I shall ne'er return, and thou except of me I care for naught, and only thou what's in my heart canst learn. Now when night fell dark, the jailer left his watchman to guard him, and went to his house, and on the morrow when he came to the prison, he found the fetters lying on the ground, and the prisoner gone, whereat he was affrighted and made sure of death. So he returned to his place and bade his family farewell, after which he took in his sleeve his shroud and the sweet herbs for his corpse and went into Al-Hajjah. And as he stood before the presence, the governor smelt the perfumes and asked, What is that? When the jailer answered, O my lord, it is I who have brought it. And what moved thee to that? inquired the governor whereupon he told him his case. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the four hundred and seventy-first night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the jailer told his case to Al-Hajjaj, the governor cried, Woe to thee! Didst thou hear him say aught? Answered the jailer, Yes. Whilst the blacksmith was hammering his irons, he ceased not to look up heavenwards and say, Is not the whole creation and the empire thereof his? Rejoined Al-Hajjaj, Dost thou not know that he on whom he called in thy presence delivered him in thine absence? And the tongue of the case recited on this theme, O Lord, how many a grief for me hast driven! nor can I sit or stand without thy hold. How many, many things I cannot count! Thou savest from many, many, and manifold. And they also tell a tale of The Blacksmith Who Could Handle Fire Without Hurt. It reached the ears of a certain pious man that there abode in such a town a blacksmith who could put his hand into the fire and pull out the iron red-hot, without the flames doing him aught of hurt. So he set out for the town in question, and asked for the blacksmith. And when the man was shown to him, he watched him at work, and saw him do as had been reported to him. He waited till he had made an end of his day's work. Then, going up to him, saluted him with the salam, and said, I would be thy guest this night, replied the smith, with gladness and goodly gree, and carried him to his place, where they supped together and lay down to sleep. The guest watched, but saw no sign in his host of praying through the night, or of special devoutness, and said in his mind, Haply he hideth himself from me. So he lodged with him a second and a third night but found that he did not exceed the devotions prescribed by the law and custom of the prophet, and rose but little in the dark hours to pray. At last he said to him, O my brother, I have heard of the gift with which Allah hath favoured thee, and have seen the truth of it with mine eyes. Moreover, I have taken note of thine assiduity in religious exercises, but find in thee no such piety as distinguisheth those who work saintly miracles. Whence then cometh this to thee? 
I will tell thee, answered the smith. Know that I was once passionately enamoured of a slave girl, and oft time sued her for loveliesse, but could not prevail upon her, because she still held fast by her chastity. Presently there came a year of drought and hunger and hardship. Food failed, and there befell a sore famine. As I was sitting one day at home, somebody knocked at the door. So I went out, and behold, she was standing there, and she said to me, O my brother, I am sorely hungered, and I lift mine eyes to thee, beseeching thee to feed me for Allah's sake. Quoth I, Wottest thou not how I love thee, and what I have suffered for thy sake? Now I will not give thee one bittock of bread, except thou yield thy person to me. Quoth she, Death, but not disobedience to the Lord. Then she went away and returned after two days with the same prayer for food as before. I made her a like answer, and she entered and sat down in my house, being nigh upon death. I set food before her, whereupon her eyes brimmed with tears, and she cried, Give me meat for the love of Allah, to whom belong honor and glory. But I answered, Not so, by Allah, except thou yield thyself to me. Quoth she, Better is death to me than the wrath and reek of Allah the Most Highest. And she rose and left the food untouched. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the four hundred and seventy-second night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the man set food before her, the woman said, Give me meat for the love of Allah, to whom be honor and glory. But I answered, Not so by Allah, except thou yield to me thy person. Quoth she, Better is death than the wrath and reek of Allah. And she rose and left the food untouched, and went away, repeating these couplets. O thou, the one whose grace doth all the world embrace, thine ears have heard, thine eyes have seen my case. Privation and distress have dealt me heavy blows, the woes that weary me no utterance can trace. I am like one athirst who eyes the landscape's eye, yet may not drink a draught of streams that rail and race. My flesh would tempt me by the sight of savory food, whose joy shall pass away, and pangs maintain their place. She then disappeared for two days, when she again came and knocked at the door. So I went out to her, and, lo, hunger had taken away her voice. But after a rest she said, O my brother, I am worn out with want, and know not what to do, for I cannot show my face to any man but to thee. Say, Wilt thou feed me for the love of Allah Almighty? But I answered, Not so, except thou yield to me thy person. And she entered my house and sat down. Now I had no food ready, but when the meat was dressed and I laid it in a saucer, behold, the grace of Almighty Allah entered into me, and I said to myself, Out on thee, this woman, weak of wit and faith, hath refrained from food, 
till she can no longer for stress of hunger. And while she refuseth time after time, thou canst not forbear from disobedience to the Lord. And I said to myself, O my God, I repent to thee of that which my flesh purposed. Then I took the food, and carrying it to her, said, Eat, for no harm shall betide thee. This is for the love of Allah, to whom belong honor and glory. Then she raised her eyes to heaven and said, O my God, if this man say sooth, I pray thee forbid fire to harm him in this world and the next. For thou over all things art omnipotent and prevalent in answering the prayer of the penitent. Then I left her and went to put out the fire in the brazier. Now the season was winter and the weather cold, and a live coal fell upon my body. But by the decree of Allah, to whom be honor and glory, I felt no pain, and it became my conviction that her prayer had been answered. So I took the coal in my hand, and it burnt me not. And going into her, I said, Be of good cheer, for Allah hath granted thy prayer. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. End of section 29 Recording by Eva Easton, Slotesburg, New York, May 2011